reading is from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. It's Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Good morning, church. And morning to all those who are joining us online. It's um, uh, a great pleasure for the opportunity to stand before us uh, this morning. Last week, we concluded um, uh, the sermon on the theme, What We Believe um, About Salvation. And um, we're taking down the road through the steps um, that uh, constitute salvation. Hearing the word, believing, uh, repenting, Confessing and uh, being baptized. Salvation is, as we all know and will agree with me, it's a desired um, endpoint for every Christian. And it is the Christian race that is the process that would lead us there. And that is why we're encouraged to work out our salvation with every, every fear and trembling. For the months of uh, August and September, um, our focus shall be on what we believe um, about Christians. What we believe about Christians. And our topic for discussion this morning is what we already have, worship, core of our Christian lives. Um, worship the core of our Christian lives. From time immemorial, from the Petraka age down to the Mosaica age, and now to the Christian era that we are in, God has been very specific with the pattern of worship he desires from his children. Um, He has been very consistent with that. And in the book of Exodus, one of the Ten Commandments was that you shall have no other gods before me, and you shall not bow down to worship them, for I, the Lord your God, I am a jealous God. So, God had been very specific, he had been very clear. And um, there are no ambiguities on the position of God concerning what he expects of his children with regards to worship. Worship as a core of our Christian lives, it means that it is the bedrock or the bane of existence, if you allow me to use that word, of the race that we run as Christians. 
Pardon me for not um, quoting references in my definition. I had to consult some other materials for definition, so. But just for the record's sake, I used the Oxford Learned Dictionary um, in seeking for definition. So I tried getting the definition of what worship is, and uh, this is what it came up with. In Christianity, and I want to be very specific with Christianity, uh, worship is the act of attributing reverent honor and homage to God. Those are very three powerful words in one sentence. Reverend, honor, and homage to God. Uh, we just sang a while ago, and uh, we're all living witnesses and testaments to the weddings of the song that was raised just before I came up to the, to the pulpit here will place you on the highest place for you are the great high priest. We place you above all else. It means that if we agree with what we have just sang, it means God cannot be placed in a second fiddle in our lives. It cannot be placed in a second fiddle in our activities. It cannot be placed in a second fiddle in whatever our plans are. He is the king. And that reminds me of the concept of monarchy. And I want to believe it is worldwide. But in the country of my birth, um, when you're a king, there are people who are willing to die to execute your pronouncements. Even when the king is not there. Many, 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 hundreds and thousands of miles away from the seat of the throne of the king. There are people who are willing to enforce the pronouncement of the king. If human beings can go to that extent, how much more we children of God, it ought to be all for him or all for thee and none for self. And so in the book of Psalms, we are encouraged to worship God. To worship God, not because we are commanded to worship God. To worship God because we owe him a devotion to show our appreciation and our love for all that we have received and all that has been given. And so the Christian race does not come on a platter of gold. It comes, it's a race that comes with a cost and it comes with a reward. If we look at um, the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, it reads, You were taught with regard to your former way of life, with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted. To put off your old self, which is being corrupted. A lot of people, like it is commonly said, old habits die hard. People don't want to let go of those things that would find pleasure in 
for the standard of the world, those are losses. But to us, they are gains. That is the understanding of the world. And it says to put on the new self. So it is taking up one garment that is soiled with filthiness, that is soiled with sin, that is soiled with corruption, and putting on a new garment created to be like God in righteousness and in holiness. So as Christians and as soldiers of Christ that we are, we are supposed to be concerned with ensuring that we follow the tenets of the teachings of God. And supposed to follow the teachings of God in God's terms and not in man's terms. Let us let me take you back to what happened in Egypt when God sent Moses and his brother Aaron to go to Pharaoh and talk to him to allow his people to go. We all know that story and I'm not going to bore you with that. But I want to say that at the point when the plagues that was befalling the land of Egypt was beginning to heat up, Pharaoh called Moses and said, let your people go and worship in the land here. That was Pharaoh's take. That was Pharaoh's take. That was not God's plan for the children of Israel. God's plan for the children of Israel was for the children of Israel to leave Egypt and go to the wilderness to worship him. Leaving Egypt was part of God's plan. Egypt was not the land that God wanted the children of Israel to inherit. He had a totally different plan for the children of Israel. But if you ask me, why does it matter? What is the difference between worshipping God in the wilderness and worshipping God in the land of Egypt? After all, worship is worship. That is the wisdom of man that is like foolishness in the sight of God. God's term was, leave the land of Egypt and worship me in the wilderness. And I can tell you, brethren, it is not different from what is happening today in the world. Does it matter where I worship? After all, we are all calling the name of the Lord. But that was, not what, that was not God's plan. God had a different plan. And so, in the book of John, Jesus himself said this. Yet the time is coming. And the time has come. When the true worshippers I just want us to take a little moment, a few seconds, and meditate on those words. True worshippers. True worshippers. What does the Bible mean by true worshippers? When the true worshippers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. And so why did Jesus in his wisdom have to use that adjective, truth, or true, to qualify 
the preceding word worship. Does it mean that there are worshippers who are not true worshippers? That is my understanding. That is my understanding. It means that there are those who worship God and are not worshipping Him in spirit and in truth. That is my understanding of that passage. If we go further down, in Matthew, it talks about not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of God, but the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven. So, it is not just all about worshipping God, but it has to do with worshipping God in his terms. Not on my own terms. Not on your own terms. Not on a third party's term. But on God's terms. That is when we can actually and genuinely worship God in spirit and in truth. I told us God never gives us instructions and leaves those instructions to discretion to, of, the, of humans. When he wanted Noah to build an ark, he didn't say, Noah, go and build an ark. God was very specific with what he wanted Noah to do. The kind of ark he wanted him to build. How many rooms were supposed to be in the ark? The dimensions of the rooms in the ark. The material to be used to build the ark. God was so specific and detailed enough with Noah. How much more we Christians today? Do we think that worshipping of God can be left to our discretion? If we must speak where the Bible speaks. The Bible tells us that there is one body. And that body is the church. There is one spirit. There is one hope. There is one God and one father. Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church. He didn't say, I will build my churches. And now in the book of Ephesians, put it down. The Bible is telling us that there is one body. There is one doctrine. But if we look around us today, there are multiplications of doctrines. And multiplications of bodies. I don't know if I should use the word bodies. Multiplication of sects. Because man would always want to do things that will suit man's convenience, that will suit man's flesh, and will accommodate man's inefficiencies. But if man wants to do what God wants us to do, then has to be fully on his term. And this is not surprising. Little there, little here. And unfortunately, this little there, little there is creeping into the church. But let us not forget that parable. I can't remember um, uh, the name of the parable now. But I can paraphrase the concept of the parable. And I want to believe that a lot of us will understand what I'm talking about. When the master and his servants went to plant. And by the time they came the next day, what did they see? They found weeds. 
among the, the, the seed that was planted. Instead of uprooting the weeds and also killing the plants, what did the master say? He said, leave them alone. And so man has always had ways of wanting to add to the doctrine of Christ. But God, like he said, if we must worship God, and if we must find God, like Jeremiah says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your hearts. It is only when we seek God with all our hearts that we'll get to find God. And as Christians and as children of God, Paul has forewarned us not to be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. Because by the time we find ourselves in positions where we are tossed to and fro, it becomes very difficult to see God with all our hearts. Paul even said it in the book of Galatians. Even if we are an angel from heaven should preach a gospel, other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's cause. And he reemphasized this further down. As we have already said. And he stated again. Now, so now I say again. In the same in the same passage, he said it and reiterated himself to the Galatian brethren, and by extension to us again. So let us not live under the illusion that the gospel is the gospel. Wherever the name of the Lord is called, is okay. The gospel is not the gospel. There is the gospel of Christ. And that is what we are interested in practicing. Let them, with the status of Paul in his days, where a lot of people looked up to him, he said even if he comes and tells them a different thing, other than the one he has spoken to them, it should be a cost. Let them be under God's cost. And so, brethren, we do not have a choice other than to serve God in his own terms. As I said earlier on, worshipping God is core to our Christian lives. Now, I want to ask, who is a Christian? The book of... um, well, I, I want to believe that we have um, already exhausted that question. One who worships God in his own terms. If you allow me to use those group of words together. But we were told in the book of Acts that the disciples of Christ were first called Christians in Antioch. And I want to say that that pronouncement was not by accident. The folks then who called them Christians, they called them Christians because of one particular thing. They did things that were different from, they lived their lives in a way that was different from 
the way other people around them live their lives. They live their lives in accordance with the way Christ lived their lives. And the people around them saw them and called them Christians. Well, that is supposed to be our responsibilities today. To live our lives in our communities in a way people will see us differently. Remember the book of Ecclesiastes. By the time we do the will of the Father, which he says, our duty on earth here is to fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of mankind, then we would have an easy job to do. Then the world will be able to see the beauty of Christ in us. Then the world will be able to use that nomenclature Christians for us. So we are alive today. The singular reason we are alive today, after we have accepted Christ by water of baptism, is to do the will of the Father. Is to do the will of the Father. And that's why the book of Matthew tells us to seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. Like what Joe said, he already quoted this passage. When we seek God and his kingdom, then we will not find ourselves storing up treasures on earth. Where rots, much and rust will corrupt. Where thieves will break in and steal. But we will be storing up our treasures in heaven. As soldiers of Christ, we're told in the book of Timothy that soldiers do not get entangled in civilian affairs, but they try to please their commanding officer. Have you ever made a 911 call and you see a soldier show up at your doorpost? It's not possible. You will see the police. That is who you will see. The soldiers are meant to ensure that the territorial integrity of a country is kept intact. It is a common phrase in the military. Obey the last order. Even though I never served in the military though. As Christians, our duty is to uphold the integrity of the doctrine of Christ. We have the responsibility to uphold the integrity of the doctrine of Christ. In order to please our commanding officer. For us to please our commanding officer, we have to uphold the integrity of his doctrine. Back to our text, the book of Romans, chapter 12, that was read earlier on. And it reads, therefore, I read again, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. 
This is your true and proper worship. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. When you mention the word sacrifice, what comes to my mind? Considering what I have seen in my country of vets, it's a big calabash with all sorts of things there. Funny things you can imagine. Head of an animal, um, cooked food, um, sometimes you see tack, so many things. That is the image of sacrifice that, that is the image of sacrifice that comes to mind when you mention the word sacrifice. But that is not the kind of sacrifice we are talking about here. The kind of sacrifice I'm talking about is the act of giving up something that is valuable to you in order to help someone. Or surrounding a possession as an offering to a deity. And this time around, I want to say, surrounding a possession as an offering to God Almighty. And just like we said earlier on, putting off our old self. Forfeiting certain habits. But the book of Romans says, we should make our bodies a living sacrifice. In, the, in time past, sacrifices were made by children of God. Job, on his own part, was fond of sacrificing periodically. Just whenever his children get to gather together and party. But we have long passed that stage because we are now in the era of grace. The book of Romans does no longer recommend periodic sacrifice, but recommends a living sacrifice. If we understand what that word living is, as I do understand, I have not seen, but I'll be, I'll be very interested in knowing anyone who has seen. Anyone who breached once in three hours. If you have, you can show up your hands. Once in three hours. For the next three hours, no breathing. No exchange, no intake of oxygen and Exhale of carbon dioxide. It's impossible. The reason why we are living today is because we keep breathing by the, by the microseconds. That is why science cannot even place a peg on your respiratory rate per minute. It's a range. In as much as you fall within that range, we are fine. We are living good. That is what makes us living. And that is the difference between a living person and a dead person. What am I trying to say? Making our bodies living sacrifice should be a constant flow. It's not something that should be 
on Sundays or on Wednesdays or on Thursdays or twice in a week. The beauty of the Lord should reflect in our lives every microsecond of our lives. That is when we actually offer worship to God. What we are doing now is very fine. But what I'm saying is, it goes beyond we gathering together like this. It goes into when I am in my closet. As human beings, like I said earlier on, our duty is to seek God. A lot of times, we wake up every morning, what we're after is what we eat, what we drink, what we wear, how to pay our bills, and that is it. If we're not careful, if we're not careful, we will slide into putting God in a second position in our lives. And will fall prey of that passage we quoted earlier on. You shall worship no other God except me. So there's always a constant battle between the flesh and the spirit in order to keep our bodies living sacrifices. In conclusion, our relationship to, with God is one created by God himself, framed by his love, laced by his favor, and sealed by our obedience. God is relentless in his approach. He is the God of many chances. God never gives up on his people. The assignment is waiting for you. My assignment is waiting for me. His cause keeps ringing and is not done reaching out. And it's all up to us to say yes. As we shall soon sing, the song that was chosen to close us today. It's a song of repentance. Where the man started, the composer started from. Having all for myself and none for thee. And went through the stages to the point where he states having none for myself and all for thee. That is what is called repentance. God will always call us. The question is, what will you do when the call comes ringing? Shall we rise as we take the closing hymn?
Thank you for your time.